0: Now, yesterday, the Ukrainian president addressed the House of Commons, and Canadians uh, heard his call loud and clear. Basically, he asked us to put ourselves in Ukraine's shoes. It was powerful, and it was a very emotional plea. He said, one night, you're awoken to the sound of bombs dropping and the shelling of a major infrastructure, changing both the landscape of your country and your life. And, you know, here you are 20 days later, begging the people of the world who are safe uh, to help defend against Russian aggression. And you may not think that these aggressions are, you know, um, on your doorstep, but they look like they're half a world away, but they may be closer than we think. You may just want to glance north and suddenly that scenario may not feel so far fetched. At least that's what many people say when we look at the Arctic. That is motivating our national defense minister, Anita Anand, to announce a trip to the Arctic and plan for a joint discussion on the security of the region with allied counterparts in Arctic countries. Rob Hubert is from the University of Calgary, one of the country's leading experts on Arctic defense. We've spoken to him before, and he's gracious enough to join us again to talk about it this morning. Welcome to the show, Rob.
1: Thank you, Kelly. I'm happy to be here.
0: Well, how was Putin's invasion of Ukraine? Um, how has it ignited the interest in the far north? Because when last we spoke, there wasn't much going on.
1: Well, I mean, that, that that that's the rub, isn't it? There's been a whole lot going on. We've just been choosing uh, at the highest political level to ignore it or to basically pretend that it doesn't somehow pertain to Canada. But we've been seeing this overall trend, uh, you can trace it back to about 204, 205, when the Russians begin the process of what we call militarization of the Arctic, they start rebuilding their bases, they start rebuilding their submarines, long range bombers, takes them a long time. So I mean, this isn't something that happens overnight, but it's definitely something that was clear for anyone that really wanted to pay attention to it.
0: Right. And we know that Canada's Chief of Defense warned this week that Russia has reoccupied those abandoned Cold War bases in the far north. Uh, Do we know what kind of activity, like, are they actually performing maneuvers
1: in the far north? It's maneuvers, it's exercises, it's also, and I mean, when you hear our chief of staff saying, okay, well, uh, you know, uh, know, making the point that it's come, the senior Canadian military had a bad habit. They used to make this joke that, well, if the Russians ever came, the first thing we'd have to do is worry about rescuing them. There was a, a real different sort of mindset that that is is the the second phase of the Ukrainian uh, invasion seems to be finally um, creating. Uh they also one thing of course that we've always tried to downplay is uh, starting around 2009 to ten, they started probing into the uh, air and maritime spaces of all the other Arctic nations, and so mm-hmm. we started seeing bombers coming not into our airspace, but just up to our airspace. For the Finns, Swedes, uh, Norwegians, uh, Danes, there were very active overflights of their airspace. They've reported mysterious submarines, stuff that you thought ended at the Cold War, but really hasn't. If you're, if you're watching for it
0: mm-hmm. you've said we're dealing with a new geopolitical environment how important is it that we have you know that canada act as a collective with those other arctic countries sweden finland norway denmark
1: well it's absolutely because right now if you if we're being honest with ourselves we're the weak link um even the Finns and the swedes back in 2016 after this uh, this war started and, and let's be honest the invasion of ukraine didn't start february 2022 it started back in march of uh, 2014 and at that point in time both the finns and the swedes then signed a, a, a statement of intent with the americans which allowed them to operate with the americans on their air bases norwegians now are outfitting their uh, their northern base up in uh, Troms to fit their nu- american nuclear powered subs everybody's been working on improving their surveillance capability it's only been canada that all we do is say we're going to do that ever since the defense policy came out in 2017, but little evidence that we've actually done anything like our northern allies.
0: Right. Um, We also talked about the fact that Britain had offered us some nuclear submarines to use, or at least to, you know, perform some exercises, borrow them for a while. Did we take them up on that offer?
1: Well, they didn't buy, they didn't. (laughs) <laughs> they didn 't offer us a sub they offered to coordinate and work with us uh, okay the, what they do send their uh, submarines up in fact there 's this exercise that 's going on right now as we speak it 's called ISEX and the Americans will use two of their submarines to basically well, it's partly to do science, but it's mainly to show that they can still get their submarines into the waters. The British often send a nuclear-powered sub to operate with them. They didn't this year, uh, but that is a bit of a norm. No, for, for us, what they want to do is they realize that the the possibility of actually having to engage the Russians in, say, northern Norway, uh, Sweden, Finland, somewhere one of those locations is becoming much more real. And they mm-hmm. want to get the expertise that we have, say, through the Rangers and other elements of, of being in the north, and they want to learn what it's like to have to operate, never mind fight, in northern areas. And that's really where the cooperation is, where they want to start from.
0: Canada began an Arctic air defense operation Monday. It's known as Noble Defender, with the U.S. It's going to run through to the 17th uh, this, that's this Thursday and include flying over sparsely populated areas at high altitudes. Um, is this uh, exercise done to alert per- Putin to the fact that we have presence and we're serious about defending our Arctic?
1: well it's it's done on a regular basis, so this is the what what is really new with it this year is just how much publicity that d and d has given it Usually it comes and goes and no one really notices it. It is in fact to demonstrate to the Russians that we have this capability because we've always signaled to make sure that they they know it it's also a very important step it's very difficult operating in such northern climes uh, there's all sorts of factors geography climate um, uh, and so you have to be doing all that, so that if in fact you have to respond to, to a real um, challenge, threat, war, whatever term you want to use, uh, you're not all of a sudden going, geez, I, you know, our plane won't start in minus 60. And so it's seemingly little things that you're mm-hmm. trying to figure out ahead of time. You're signaling to the Russians, and, and, and hopefully, I'm also making the politicians realize that we're still asking our pilots to use an aircraft in this environment that was uh, built back at the end of the 1970s.
0: Not going to be good enough if there's something, really, if something hits the fan and we are one day toe-to-toe with the Russians. Can we talk about modernizing the North American Aerospace Defense Command, NORAD? Uh, How archaic is this, and how important is it that we update it soon?
1: Yeah. Well, it's a yes and no answer. I know it's unsatisfying. Um, the main architecture was updated in 1985. And you've got to ask yourself, would you be wanting to use a computer in 1985, assuming they had them uh, for today's business? And But they, they've been updating parts of it. So, you, you, you know, it's unfair to say it's districtly strictly 1985 and nothing's been done. There's been some updates. But the the whole threat environment, uh, the Russians, as I said at the beginning, have been very active in developing new delivery systems. You've got hypersonic missiles, the Cassell missile. You've got new underwater autonomous vehicles, because NORAD is not only aerospace, it's also maritime. Mm. And so you need, uh, the military lo- You know, loves having these terms, they call it pan-domain. But you, what it means is you've got to be able to see any incoming threat as fast as possible where you're dealing with speeds of, of, of uh, systems that can, you know, fire a missile at up to 20 times the speed of sound in the atmosphere. And so the warning times are very low. You've got to be able to figure out what it is, and you've got to be able to figure out a response to it. And all of this requires an amazing amount of tech, and this is something that we've really let down we also have to start thinking about the reality that we do have to improve our space assets. Yes, we have to update the uh, ground-based radar systems, but we also have to realize that to really understand the new threat environment, you need to have something either with the Americans or on your own, and man, that, that is so far off in mm-hmm. terms of for us. And the underwater piece, Uh, once again, we've tended to pretend that the submarines don't exist. They do. And uh, I don't think that we've given any real attention to that within the context of NORAD, and we're going to very definitely have to do that.
0: Rob, it sounds like it's going to be a very expensive endeavor, but um, one that is long overdue. I want to thank you for your time and expertise, as always.
1: Always my pleasure, Kelly.
0: Have a great day. Rob Hubert is from the University of Calgary, one of the leading experts on Arctic defense in the country.